1: Welcome to another edition of the National Press Club program. We are joined by the president and chief executive officer of Meridian International in the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., Ambassador Stuart Holliday. Welcome, Ambassador. Thank you, Lincoln. It's a pleasure to be here. You are now the president and CEO of Meridian. Having served as U.S. ambassador to the United Nations for special political affairs from, I think it's 2003 to 2005, Previously as Assistant Secretary of State uh, over for Bureau of International Information Programs and Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs. And you've also previously been Special Assistant to the President of the United States, George W. Bush, 2000 to 2001. And previously an Intelligence Officer in the United States Navy. I think it's from 1988 to 2005. Actually, 95. 95. Okay. Fair enough. With that, you've had a storied career. Thank you. Can you provide our audience some further highlights on that career? Sure. My father was a career
0: diplomat, and I grew up with a perspective of uh, sort of a a world where the United States played a a role in almost everything. And uh, we lived in the Middle East. We lived in Europe. We lived in North Africa. And when I was getting ready to think about a career myself, um, after attending uh, Georgetown University, I I wanted to serve my country. Uh, So uh, there was nothing better than the US Navy uh, to do that. And, And I picked the Navy because the Navy is a global service. And the Navy also has had a tradition of being involved in political military affairs, uh, in diplomatic issues. And uh, so that's really how I started my career. And throughout my career, which I've been very fortunate to have you know, many mentors, uh, people like Scoop Jackson and uh, President Bush and, and others, um, I have always been interested in America's role in the world and have tried to preserve that as sort of an anchor in whatever I did, whether it was business, uh, politics, uh,
1: diplomacy, and now Meridian. With that interest, uh, in close cooperation, you are the president and chief executive officer of Meridian International, uh, which we would understand works closely with the United States Department of State on a nonpartisan basis. Uh, Meridian seeks to advance global security and prosperity through effective leadership and diplomacy. With that said, can you further expand on this mission, the overall goals of Meridian? Sure. Uh, Well, Meridian was founded in 1960
0: at a time when the United States was expanding its outreach around the world, uh, really during the Cold War, to try to identify emerging leaders uh, that would play a significant role later on in their careers in uh, their governments, in society at large, or in journalism. And uh, Meridian really is uh, a center that seeks to bring leaders from the United States and the rest of the world together to look at global challenges we face, but it also to help prepare those leaders to go back to their countries and take what they've learned and what the relationships they developed in the United States and, and apply them in their own countries. We're also a convener uh, like Chatham House in London. We uh, bring together the government, the business community, and the diplomatic corps, and we do so in a way uh, which is, uh, I would say, uh, very high level, but we do it without advocating our own position. We really want to take other people's positions, look for gaps in those positions and try to align them. And then finally, uh, we are a cultural diplomacy institution. So we uh, take uh, cultural exhibitions and activities from the United States and tour them around the world supporting in many cases, our embassies and our posts and reaching public audiences. And we also do the same uh, in reverse. So we we look for uh, cultures and countries where might not be as well known in the United States and bring uh, bring that information here to the United States for people to get a better understanding of of these other countries. With a focus on convening, how's business? It's very good. Because we are neutral and because people trust us uh, and because we work with uh, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, I should say officials from both parties, uh, not the parties themselves, uh, Congress, the executive branch, there's a real desire right now in Washington uh, to have a trusted, safe environment for these kinds of conversations. So whether it's a a roundtable discussion, Uh, or a salon dinner, uh, or in fact, a uh, more of a, uh, even a networking reception. There is a desire for people to share information. There's a desire to build relationships, but there's also, frankly, a desire to build bridges right now.
1: Over to Meridian programs. As we understand it, Meridian regularly programs journalism training and reporting tours to promote freedom of the press.
0: I think it's important that we recognize uh, the heroic, heroic efforts of journalists around the world to uh, try to bring the truth and context to rapidly unfolding uh, developments in the world. And I think, uh, you know, on the Washington Post uh, banner, um, you see the, the the phrase "democracy dies in darkness." And I think it's it's important for us to recognize, including journalists that are perhaps uh, in danger are not able to do their job. So I just wanted to say that at the outset. But Meridian really works with uh, journalists from all over the world in a variety of contexts. Uh, Some of these um, uh, programs are, in fact, on behalf of the Foreign Press Center, uh, located right here uh, in, in the building, or at least had been in the building for a long time. And those are the opportunity for journalists from other countries to come and see firsthand uh, the diverse and rich nature of our society to look at issues, whether it's elections or uh, policy, regulatory policy, or how uh, our tax laws work for not-for-profits. Variety of different subjects. Uh, there's there's also programs that are more designed around specific issues like countering disinformation. So, in those cases, we're identifying specific either journalists or people in governments that are charged with uh, protecting uh, the transparency and integrity of press freedom, and to help them, give give them the tools uh, to, to do their jobs more effectively. And so um, I think when you, you know, it's, journalists have been called the fourth estate, but um, they, they're, in fact, uh, really at the core of having a free uh, and open society uh, where people can actually make decisions uh, based upon uh, the information they need.
1: Speaking of information, let's talk disinformation. Uh, countering disinformation, Meridian has programs focused on countering disinformation. Can you talk about it? Uh, includes maligning of influence, propaganda. Uh, if, if, if we've got it right here in D.C., we've got 58 emerging leaders from over 50 countries on a multi-regional project called, quote, Towards a More Safe and Secure World, sure. sponsored by the ECA Bureau at State. Uh, can you talk about that? And where are you participating with the concept of disinformation? And you can you're welcome. What is disinformation? We can start with that.
0: Well, I think in in the old Mm -hmm. days, you know, uh, the the (laughs) idea, um, really going back to the you know, the First World War, was that the notion that uh, you could reach directly to a public in an opposing country to try to manipulate their views, and in some cases, um, this was, uh, you know. Patriotism and promoting uh, the kind of um, national pride that's necessary to support uh, a country uh, that is in conflict, and to try to motivate uh, citizens. But on a more insidious level, uh, it's uh, the uh, you know agiprop and manipulation of information to kind of influence how people in another country might make decisions and how they vote and how they, uh, how they understand issues. And this isn't new. Uh, this has been going on for many years. What's new is the, the means and mechanisms uh, and frankly reach of this kind of information because in the old days it had to be a pretty sophisticated state actor to try to, uh, try to create this, this kind of uh, disinformation. And now... Uh, it can happen uh, from state actors and non-state actors and individuals um, because of the power of the internet and the way in which people are reaching information or getting their information, excuse me. So um, I think that what's what's new about it is everybody's connected. Uh, and frankly, I think many people in the world today are... Suffering from uh, a little bit of uh, feeling a, a lack of tether to their communities and, and a lack of connection, and maybe a lack of trust in their own institutions. So when when those factors create the sort of you know atmosphere or environment where people are already unsure of what they're hearing, um, you know you have uh, fertile ground for this kind of disinformation. So what we try to do is is work with. Uh, Uh, countries that uh, share our values, uh, that have a common interest in protecting uh, the integrity of journalism and and protecting, uh, ensuring that the information that people get is accurate. And we really try to work with them to share best practices uh, and to connect with them so that they feel that they're not alone and that there's a network of people who who understand that... uh, uh, there needs to be uh, a response. Um, there, there are ways in which you can uh, immediately clarify and correct misimpressions. Um, and I think uh, that's that's going to be an important part of our national security going forward. To your point
1: about working with countries that share our values, what about those countries that don't?
0: Well, uh, I think in all countries, there are people who search and are yearning for more. And Absolutely. I Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know... Uh, for many, many years, the voice of America uh, was received in countries uh, where their own governments uh, and leaders didn't give them uh, fair information. It's ironic the fact that it was, a, you know, a government-supported uh, effort, but that it was seen as as objective, and it's seen uh, today as objective. Um, and you know, the challenge now is is not that we don't have authoritative voices like Voice of America, the challenge now
1: people get so much information from everywhere else. Information overload. Yes. Everywhere it's there. Going over to another area uh, that Meridian's on to, Understanding Washington DC, as part of your diplomatic engagements, Understanding Washington series, you're hosting, I think it's next month, navigating the United States Department of State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's with Ambassador Paula Bryansky and mm-hmm. Ambassador Tom Shannon. Yeah. Uh, and as I understand it, they're going to be engaging 40 international diplomats in conversation on the topic of understanding Washington. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. about that a little sure. bit more? Sure. Well, we do have a, a Center for Diplomatic Engagement that we're very proud
0: of. We've been doing diplomatic work for almost 60 years, so this is not new. Uh, but we, we realized in Washington that the diplomatic corps serves a vital role in bridging uh, the relationship between the U.S. and those countries, and that they needed more. Uh, and we felt that um, if you arrive in Washington and uh, you're trying to figure out uh, whether it's the committee system in Congress and jurisdiction on the Hill, you, you know this from, from your work, uh, whether it's the relationship between the State Department, and the NSC, or even the relationship between the regional bureaus and the functional bureaus of the State Department, that uh, we believe, again, without... Uh, You know, our interest is in in securing and preserving the United States' leadership position in the world. However, we believe that providing uh, channels uh, for countries to feel like they have uh, a voice here in Washington is an important way to do that and I think the uh, you know the the program that you mentioned you know those two diplomats are two of the most decorated senior diplomats Paula Dobryansky and Tom Shannon uh, uh, at the undersecretary level who understand firsthand uh, what ambassadors need um, how countries uh, need to feel as though they have a uh, A channel of communication uh, here, uh, and that it's vitally important for them. uh, Also, to avoid what I would call uh, the idea that we just do diplomacy by crisis, because you you frequently—I think George Shultz said this—you know, diplomacy uh, is like a garden. If you don't tend to it every day, it will get overgrown. (laughs) And uh, I think the—you know—the point is that Meridian is doing this every day so that when that crisis emerges or that event happens or the United States needs something from another country, that relationship already exists. And the the road is paved for that. So and, and on a human level, these are all amazing people. I mean. The ambassadors in Washington are probably the top diplomats in their country. Many of them have either gone on to be foreign minister or they've served three or four times as ambassadors. And this is really the capstone of their career. And I want to make it very clear that uh, our work at the Center for Diplomatic Engagement not only helps uh, the international community here in Washington, but we also serve our embassies around the world whether it's through the International Visitor Leadership Program, uh, cultural diplomacy, uh, connecting and helping outgoing U.S. ambassadors understand their countries more effectively. So it's really a two-way
1: street. And again, on a nonpartisan basis. Is it fair to say I'm hearing a theme here? uh, You obviously are a center that seeks um, the world to better understand America, but you're also a center that seeks to understand other countries better. That's correct. And look at it from their point of view.
0: That's right, and and I think the old model of an exchange, you know, was come to America and see how we do it, right, and that was enough. And uh, in, in today, there's innovation and exciting developments that are taking place in all over the world. Uh, in many yeah. cases. Uh, uh, technological breakthroughs, or or uh, new approaches to fighting pandemic disease, or uh, you know uh, entrepreneurship uh, programs in uh, countries that you know you'd be surprised that have vibrant uh, and, and interesting and innovating emerging entrepreneurs. So our job now it's not just come to America see how we do it. It's come to America so we can connect with you and let's share how we do it so that we can both. Uh, attack or deal with this
1: issue more effectively. To your point, diseases, for example, they don't discriminate. doesn't matter what country. They're there. Yeah. Which diseases are it? Do you have any? Well, we any? just
0: had the Surgeon General over yesterday, um, and he just flew back from Canada. And we were talking about the measles uh, outbreak. And it's interesting that people, you know, when you, when you think of... Uh, health care policy and national security policy, you think of borders. And you think that there are these ideas that... Physical you know, geographic. Right. It's like driving north from Vermont. You think, okay, well, I'm way up north, so that must be all that's there. And then you hit Montreal. And you realize that we are in an interconnected, uh, very uh, fluid environment. So we may be worried about measles traveling, you know, five hours from California or New York to California, but what about one hour from, you know, New York to Ottawa? Uh, or the United States, there's there's a lot of um, I think transnational threats like pandemic disease, terrorism, uh, obviously nonproliferation proliferation issues, uh, environmental issues. Uh, you know they don't they don't really stop at the border.
1: How satisfied are you with recent media reportage on U.S. foreign affairs? Uh, activities today, both print and broadcast, and I might even ask trade, trade publications? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think it's a mixed bag, Uh, like it always has been. Uh, You know, I think many people today um, are rightfully trying to understand uh, how policies are made and what policies are going to emerge, because there is a level of uncertainty. Uh, You know, you've moved from a situation where we've advocated for, you know, the Paris climate agreement uh, we conducted the JcpoA with Iran uh, we were you know had robust foreign assistance programs um, the, the, we're in an era where the American people decided that there needed to be more of a focus at home than abroad and I, I what we say at Meridian uh, is it's not a binary choice and what we try to do is educate, Uh, People, including members of Congress and others, that you don't have to choose between globalism and nationalism. You 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 can be for your team, but if your team is going to win in the end, having friends around the world is going to make your ability to win better. And I think, especially treating your friends and your allies with respect and dignity, Um, these these alliances were forged by the sacrifice of our veterans. I went this summer to a cemetery at Belleau Wood in France and walked around. And uh, when you think about the sacrifice of our, of our young men and women in uniform, to preserve and build those alliances, these should be treasured and nurtured, even if we have a trade dispute, even if there's some economic dispute, you don't want to throw that baby out with the bathwater, because it'll take a lifetime to rebuild. And so, while the, I think there's very, very, um, there's a strong understanding that you know, particularly uh, China and some other countries, there may need to be uh, a more level playing, playing field. And we've been taken advantage of to an extent on interle- intellectual property and other things. Nonetheless, we have to you know, continue to, to look for a system around the
1: world where the United States can lead and not just be alone. Ambassador Stuart Holliday, president and chief executive officer of Marine International. Thank you very much Sir for being with us. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much.
0: Update 1 is a production of the National Press Club's broadcast podcast committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update 1 by sending an email to update1podcast@ That's update, the number one podcast, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.